that's awesome. Thanks, Justin. So, um, actually, let's, uh, let's turn our focus to Jesus. Okay, let's, uh, um, let's close our eyes and, and just uh, focus on Jesus. And I, I hear an echo, uh, so is that something that uh, Noli can fix? Okay. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we are all hungry for your word. Lord, speak to us. Lord, this church doesn't need my, need my words, so Lord, but they need your words. Because when your word comes, there will be transformation. Lord, we, we thank you so much for, for, for each one of us. And Lord, just keep our focus on you, Lord, Heavenly Father. Nothing else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm, I'm actually very excited today because we are starting with a new series called God's Word Transforms. Okay. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's a, a very, it's, this series is really close to my heart. I love God's word. So, so let's understand what I mean by word of God or God's word. So there are, there are three meanings to the phrase word of God or God's word. The first meaning is the word of God as the person of Jesus Christ. So there are three places in the Bible where the Bible explicitly calls Jesus Christ as the Word of God. It's in John chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in, in that chapter, John keeps writing about this Word, and in verse 14 of John chapter 1, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, his, which came in full of grace and truth. So John was referring to Jesus Christ as the word of God. Now, Revelations 19, verse 13, gives Jesus the title of word of God. And 1 John 1, 1, it, it calls Jesus of God or refers to Jesus, of God, uh, Jesus Christ as the word of life. Okay, so I'm giving these references so that you can go back home and you can actually refer to these references and, and, and read and confirm it yourself. Okay? The second meaning of word of God, the second meaning of word of God is the speech of God. So God spoke at times. And he, when, when you look at the speech of God, the speech of God comes in three forms. The first form is God's decree. Now God spoke something and it was so powerful that an event happened. For example, Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light and there was light. In Psalms 33, it talks about how God's word created the heavens and the star. That's the first form of God's speech that is God's decree. The second form of God's speech is the, the personal address of God to God's people. So for, actually God spoke to people directly. Exodus chapter 20 from verse 2 to verse 17 where God says, 
I am the Lord your God who rescued you from Egypt, the place of your slavery. You shall have no other God but me. And it keeps going till verse 17. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, when Jesus was baptized, the people around hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my dearly loved son with whom I am well pleased. Now that's the second form of God's speech. The third form of God's speech is, is God speaking to people through human lips. Now God spoke to people through prophets and through other people. For example, if you look at Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, where God says, I will put my words in your mouth. When, 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 when Moses went to Egypt, God said, I will instruct you to say what you have to say. So there are three forms of God's word as speech of God. One is God's decree. Second one is God's word of personal address. And the third one is God speaking to people through human lips. Now the third meaning of word of God is the word of God in the written form. That is the Bible. There are several instances in the, in the, in the Bible where God's word is written down. Exodus chapter 32. When Moses comes from Mount Sinai, it says that the tablets were written by God himself. In Isaiah 30, God actually tells Isaiah to write down everything that he's telling him so that those words could stand as testimony to the end of times. Jeremiah 30, where God actually asks Jeremiah to write down everything that he is hearing from God. Actually, Jeremiah appoints a person called Baruch to write everything for him. Though the word of God is written by human hands, the word of God is absolutely powerful, absolutely authoritative, and it is true. Okay, so, so we need to settle some of these things in our heart. And I believe today, as we go through this first session or first uh, value on God's word transforms, I'm just praying that God will break some of these inhibitions, some of these lies. But God's word is true. It is authoritative and it is powerful. The word of God was written by the triune God. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And it talks about, when you read the Bible, it talks about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So today our focus will be on the written word of God. But when I say our focus is on the written word of God, it's actually we are talking about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible is not a book, it's a library. You're carrying 66 books with you when you're carrying a Bible. The Bible has two parts, the Old Testament with 39 books and the New Testament with 27 books. Written over 1,500 years by several different authors, but has one central theme, that how God redeemed you and me through Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's the central theme of the Bible, that how God redeemed you and me through Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's look at the value for today. It's up, it should be up on the screen. It says, 
The goal of scripture is to bring us into a relationship with the author and transform us into his likeness. The goal of scripture is to bring us into a relationship with the author and transform us into his likeness. So before we get into this, we need to set some foundation. Jesus is the promise fulfilled. Let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. So this is Jesus speaking. It should be up on the screen. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. We know, we, as Christians or even, you know, as people who know the Bible, we, we all know and understand that the New Testament talks about Jesus, about God, about the Holy Spirit, about the church. So if the old New Testament talks about Jesus, it's easy to understand. But we need to know that the Old Testament actually points to Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Imagine you're going from Niagara Falls to Mississauga, okay? And you enter into a situation, and we, we get into the situation all the time. The GPS doesn't work, and the phone doesn't work for some reason. But still, you can come to Mississauga. How? By looking at the signboards on the highway. The signboards which point to Mississauga. You can read those signboards, and you can come to Mississauga. The Old Testament is like those signboards. When you read the Old Testament, you will see that there is several mention of Jesus and the Old Testament actually leads us to Jesus. It actually points us to Jesus. So if you, if you, if you look at, and this is the foundation that we're going to lay, that the Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament is about Jesus. Okay? So if you start reading the Old Testament, right in Genesis chapter 3, you will see the promise of a Messiah. You guys are with me? So, actually God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He asked them not to eat the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Right? But, but Eve gets tricked by Satan who comes in the form of serpent. And Adam and Eve both eat this fruit. Now, the, the covenant relationship between God and mankind is broken by that act. Okay, but God in his faithfulness puts together a plan to redeem mankind and bring them back into that same covenant relationship between God and mankind. So if you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God is actually casting Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, there's a promise. It says that the, that the child of Eve will come and crush the head of the Satan. And in turn, the Satan will strike his heel. There's a promise of Redeemer starting from Genesis, 33, Genesis 3. Now, God comes and promises and, and, re, and actually reminds people of this promise again and again in the Old Testament. Now, there are several instances where God comes and reminds people of Jesus in the Old Testament. But we will look at only one or two in the interest of time. Several years later, 
Jesus comes to Ab Abraham and he, he actually chooses Abraham because of his faithfulness. And he reiterates, reiterates this promise to Abraham that there will be a Messiah coming. It's in Genesis chapter 22. Then, several years later, he, he, there's a descendant of Abraham by name Judah. So we, we sang this song, Lion of Judah. So the same Judah, to, to the same Judah, God comes and reiterates this promise through a blessing. And then, this is in Genesis 49. And then several years later, actually God comes and reconfirms this promise to King David in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. Even when, the, when Israel was in exile, when they had lost the promised land, when, had, when the temple was destroyed, when they had no hope, God spoke through prophets. He spoke through people and reconfirmed this promise that a Messiah will come and he will redeem his people and restore the covenant relationship that is lost between God and mankind. Okay? So, so let's go back to John chapter 5. Here, Jesus is, by scripture, Jesus is referring to the Old Testament. The Pharisees were looking at the Old Testament, but they, could, they did not find Jesus. We, we could be in that same spot. We could read the Bible, but not find Jesus. But there were people who, who found Jesus through scripture. Like the wise men. The wise men came from the east. It's not in the Bible, but there are different studies which show that the wise men had access to Old Testament. So that they, they knew that there's a Messiah coming and they saw the star, followed the star and met Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, we have met the Messiah about whom, the, about whom Moses and prophets have written. He is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay? So even Jesus, actually if you look at Jesus, even Jesus used the scripture to talk about himself. So, so let's look at one scripture, uh, which is Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 27. So the background is that Jesus, so Jesus was crucified and he, 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 he was resurrected that morning. And that day, these two followers of Jesus are going from Jerusalem to a place called Amos. And they're walking and they're sad and disappointed. You know why they're disappointed? Because they believed that Jesus is the Messiah. And they were expecting the Messiah to establish a kingdom. And now Jesus is dead on the cross. And, and, and the other thing that happens is on that day they get the news that Jesus' body is missing. So they are hopeless, they are disappointed, they are, they are very sad, and Jesus is walking with them, and for some reason, God just doesn't let them recognize Jesus. This is what Jesus says. Then, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. W wasn't it clear, wasn't it clearly predicted that Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. Then Jesus looked 
took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament is about Jesus. And when we study the word of God, we are, we are actually studying God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's, that's, uh, that's really important to know. Now, what is the role of Bible? The Bible should lead us into an ever-growing relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible should lead us into a, a relationship which keeps growing with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, in that James actually mentions this. He says that if you listen to the word of God and don't do what it says, you're foolish. If you listen to the word of God and don't do what it says, it is like looking into the mirror and just walking away. Like you look at the mirror in the morning and you tidy yourself up, right? You brush, you brush your hair and maybe clean your face, clean your clothes, and then you, know, you tidy yourself up and, and walk out. But imagine you, you see that the hair is not done well and you just walk after looking at the mirror and that's foolishness. So when you look at the scriptures as a mirror, look into the, into the Old Testament and New Testament as a mirror, it can set you free. It can set you free. So that's really important. So when you read the word of God, don't just walk away. Do what it says. Okay? And let's look at one scripture in the same thought. John chapter 14, verse 23. John, John chapter 14, verse 23, where it says, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Jesus is actually talking about a kingdom, okay? And if you look at the context behind this verse, Jesus is actually talking about a kingdom, and, and, and the people think it's an, it's an earthly kingdom. Now, in the earthly kingdom, where does the king reside? In the earthly kingdom, like it's a worldly kingdom, where does the king reside? Where does the prime minister of Canada reside? In the, pas in the, in the palace, right? In the palace. But Jesus is saying that my kingdom is different. When you do what I say, when you follow the word, when you do what is written in the word, then the Father will love you and the King and God will come and make a home with you. Now when you, when who, when you, when you, when you have somebody living with you, you have a relationship with that person. Is that right? Or do you just have some random person live with you? You, have, you, you allow somebody to live with you when they have a relationship with you, right? So when, when God and Jesus come and live with you, you have a relationship with them. Now what does that relationship do? The relationship actually transforms you. The relationship transforms you. Now imagine, most of us are married here, right? So after marriage, you know, the first thing that happens is transformation. Like I had long hairs before. And then I got married, and my hair went short. There was, a, there was a transformation in my life. You know? So when you come, 
when you come in relationship with God, there's a transformation that takes place. Okay? So how does the now how does the transformation come? So let's be very serious here, right? How does the transformation come? Now, when we read the scripture with the Holy Spirit, we get transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. When we read the scripture with the Holy Spirit, we get transformed in the, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So for that, let's look at a verse. You guys are with me on this? Okay, cool. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. This is the best verse in the Bible. This is the best verse in the Bible. Okay, so let me give you a bit of a context behind this verse. So if you have to understand this passage, you need to read from the same chapter, that is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but from verse 7. Okay? Paul is actually comparing the old covenant and the new covenant. What is the old covenant? The old covenant was between God and people of Israel and the Moses was the mediator, okay? And the new covenant was between God and us, and Jesus Christ was the mediator, okay? Now, the old covenant, Paul says, was glorious. The new covenant, he says, is more glorious because it brings salvation and new life. Now, since the old covenant was glorious, okay? So when Moses, under the old covenant, went and spent time with God, and came out of God's presence, his face is to glow. Because his face is to reflect the glory of God. Now, when people saw Moses, they were frightened. Because, they were frightened because in your sinful state, if you look at the glory of God, you will die. That's why, that's why Moses had to put a veil on his face. So, the people of the old covenant would never see the glory of God. Okay, But through Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, that sinful state is taken away. And now we can see the glory of God. Okay, That's the context behind this, this scripture. Now let's read the scripture from starting from verse 15. As, e as even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. So he's talking about the veil that was there on Moses' face. Now that same veil is on our heart. And when we read the scripture with that veil on, we won't understand, the, we don't see the glory of God. We don't see the glory of Jesus Christ. It has happened to me for several years. For several years I read the Bible and I never found Jesus Christ. I could be a PhD in biblical studies, yet not find Jesus Christ in the Bible. It's only when we turn to the Holy Spirit that we see the glory of God. Okay, that's, that, that is there in the next verse, verse 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when you turn to the Lord... And here the Lord is the Holy Spirit. The veil is taken away. Now you can see the glory of God in the Bible. So imagine in the, under the old covenant, or when you don't understand the word of God, 
You're following certain customs, certain rituals, certain practices, your certain fears, because you don't understand the word of God. And now you turn to the, uh, to the Holy Spirit, the veil is taken away. Then you look at these customs and say, oh, this is not required anymore. These rituals, oh, these are not required anymore. Oh, this fear is something which is, which is, which is not relevant. So when you start, when you turn to the Holy Spirit and read the scripture, you become free. Freedom comes when you read the scripture with the Holy Spirit. You guys are with me? Okay, so the next, the next verse. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So, so because of what Jesus Christ has done, we can now see the glory of God. Now the veil is removed, so we can see the glory of God in the Bible, the glory of Jesus Christ in the Bible. And as we see and as we reflect on the glory of God, we start becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Our character changes, our nature changes. We start becoming different people and we start getting transformed as Jesus Christ. You won't become Jesus Christ. We need to be very clear. We don't become God, but we, as we get transformed, we start living in the fullness that God has for us. You know, so, so this is really important. You know? so, so read the scripture with the Holy Spirit. When you read the scripture with the Holy Spirit, there's a transformation that comes and you start becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's, that's about uh, how to read the scripture so that you're transformed. Before we get into the last passage or the last uh, set of verses, and which I want all of us to read together, for sure. Uh, and this is the most popular verse that is 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. But before, before, before we go there, um, let me, um, uh, you know, let's summarize, right? So we looked at the Bible, the written word of God, okay? And then we looked at, um, at what the Bible talks about. Okay, so it, 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 is, it is focused on Jesus, it is focused on God, it is focused on the Holy Spirit. So we, we talked about it. Then when we do what is written in the word of God, we build a relationship with God. Okay, and when we read the scriptures with the Holy Spirit, there's a transformation that comes. Okay, so as we read the next set of scripture, as we read the next set of scripture, let's, you know, I just, I want to pray and say, Lord, Break any inhibitions that we have got. Any doubts in our mind about the, the, the scripture, O oh Lord. From today, as we walk out of this place, Lord, we go with absolute certainty that this, the word of God, is God-breathed. It is by God, it is written by God, and, and it's not written by human hands. So with that, let's, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Okay, at the count of three, let's read it together. It should be up on the screen. Okay, one, two, and three. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture are God-breathed. So when, when somebody's talking and outside when there is, say, minus 10 degrees centigrade, what happens? You'll see a, a kind of an air coming out of that person's mouth. You can see the, the smoky air coming out of that person's mouth. Now, the same thing happens. So he, the person is actually breathing the words out. Okay? In the same way, the scripture is God-breathed. God spoke these words. And he spoke these words. Why? Because they're useful for transformation. So you see that there is teaching here, rebuking here, correcting and training. They're all part of the transformation that takes place. And why is that transformation required? So that you and me may be thoroughly equipped, not just equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has planned for us since the beginning. So, so the scripture, when you read it with the Holy Spirit, brings transformation so that, and as you get changed into the likeness of Jesus. And that's the reason why Moses calls the New Testament more glorious than the Old Testament. Why? Because the shining on the face of Moses faded away. The, the glory that was there on the face of Moses was fading away. But in the New Covenant, as we are transformed daily from glory to glory, the shine on a face, the reflection of glory on a face will become brighter and brighter. The old covenant, it faded away, but in the new covenant, it will become brighter and brighter and will become more and more like Jesus Christ in a character, in a nature, and we start living in the fullness that God called us into. Okay, so that's, that's really important. So, so, so before we close, let's uh, do two declarations and then we'll close in prayer. So there is a declaration one, um, if you can, uh, so Cheryl, if you can put that up on the screen. Okay, so at the count of three, let's read it together. One, two, and three. I love to read my Bible every day. I can't help but experience God's love and power every time I meditate on his word. Once again, let's do it. One, two, and three. I love to read my Bible every day. I can't help but experience God's love and power every time I meditate on his word. Now let's do one more declaration. Okay, because when you walk out of this place, you know, I'm believing God that, that you know, we go out and as transformed people. We go out as transformed people. And then we start, you know, looking into the scriptures and, and reading and getting ourselves transformed on a daily basis. So let's look, do the second declaration. One, two, and three. I am being transformed into his likeness when I read his word. Once again, one, two, and three. I am being transformed into his likeness when I read his word. So let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for, for this time. And Lord, we all know that, that when you speak, things happen. Things are transformed. 
Lord, help us to to spend time every day with you, Lord, Heavenly Father, because we know that as we spend time with you, read your scripture through the Holy Spirit that we get transformed day by day into your likeness. And Lord, that you're preparing us to be world changers, you're preparing us to impact the world and, and equip us, so Lord, in, the, in a way that we are, we are ready for every good work. Lord, we, we, we thank you for, for what you're doing in our life and what you're going to do in our life. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So if you need prayer, um, you know, we have the ministry team here. And, uh, and you know, don't forget to pick up your kids and um, just have a wonderful week. God bless you all.